Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I'm Brian Cunningham. And welcome to Episode 7, a show that we've dedicated to answering some of your questions about birds and nature in your own backyard. Yeah, it's all about some of those seasonal FAQs, and we do hear a number of them, so we're glad to and happy to bring them to you today. Plus, we have a special guest that's coming our way. It's going to join us to help us with those. In fact, she'll be bringing some of those FAQs along, see if we can answer them. So stick around for the fun. Okay, Brian. Just had to get that in there. <laughs> I like the way you did. Okay, instead of so. <laughs> and lots of fun today. Frequently asked questions. These are you the know, best. Yeah, it's always, you know, we, you and I have been doing this a lot of years as we've talked, and, and it's always a fun part of our job to, you know, work with customers and people uh, calling into us and emailing and lots of different routes that people get to us with with, you know, concerns or uh, the need for a solution for some problem in their backyard or just wanting some really cool information about something that they've seen and don't understand. And our all-time favorite, photos. How many photos of birds or different things are <laughs> sent to us uh, for us to identify the bird or, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, always, but, we're always glad yes. to help. Uh, we have to confess that there seems to be a lot of misinformation and maybe misconceptions that are out on the internet for uh, people to stumble on. So we do like trying to get accurate uh, information out to everyone. Uh, yes, indeed. Ask questions. Trying to be as accurate as possible and give, give people some fun facts too to help them when they're wanting help to help identify something. Yep, yep. And <laughs> for our podcast today, we're going to class our act up a little bit instead of just you and I who've been carrying the, you know, the show for the last six episodes. We thought we needed to bring in a little little class, a little uh, little talent for once. <laughs> and so here is Olivia. Our well, yes, person. welcome, Olivia. Yeah. You guys are too nice. <laughs> <laughs> Classing up the act, like John Classing said. Classing it up. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Olivia, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> what, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, why, why did we ask you to come on the show today in regards to frequently I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing, honestly. <laughs> so I'm the digital marketing specialist for Wild Birds Unlimited. What does that mean? It means that I'm on the team that sends John and Brian all the questions so that they can answer them. <laughs> so I can take those answers and report them back to the customer. So you're the one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> one of them. Yes, I'm one of them. We do get part a lot of, of questions. Yeah, it does kind of take a village. So I am part of that team. Yes. You know, and it's really important to, to, to understand that, uh, yeah, again, uh, for a long time, it was just Brian and I answering a lot of these and, mm -hmm. and yes, this has was. grown and there's more and more people interested in what's going on in their backyard and, and looking for solutions to things that are happening in their backyard. So to have uh, Olivia helping us out and, and channeling those we get, we get, as I mentioned and she's mentioned, we get these questions coming at us from all different platforms and for her to help be one of the people that channels those to us and then channels our answers back to the folks writing those questions. 
uh, it's been a huge help and we'd like to thank Olivia for helping us out. So most definitely. Thank yeah. you, Olivia. Oh, well, you're so welcome. Actually, I want to thank you guys for helping me answer them. I feel like I've picked up a little bit along the way, but most of the time I am reaching out to John and Brian to assist with the ever-present question of what is this bird and a photo, <laughs> an accompanying photograph with it. So yeah. thank you both. It always helps when there's a photo with it. Yes, it does. <laughs> we don't always get that. It's we, hard to identify a bird without a photo, so. Yeah. And so it's, it's, sometimes it's hard with a photo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cell phones just don't do great photos at, you know, 30 yards away sometimes. So Indeed. sometimes it's a oh. challenge. And I got to throw it out there. If you ever, anyone in that listening audience, if you ever send in a, a, a photo somewhere, let them know where you took the photo and what time of year. That will help them much more quickly. Yeah, one other thing we'd like to point out too is we, we will always, uh, you know, local expertise is always better. Uh, so we, if we have the opportunity to kick back the questions that come to us, uh, back to our local stores and our experts in our local stores, uh, we certainly take that route too because uh, nobody knows their, their backyard, and, you know, habitats and what's going on than those people who actually live in that area where the, that question is coming from. So, all right, Olivia, what about some of these frequently asked questions that have come your way recently? that maybe we can help answer. Sure, so these are some questions I pulled from our various social media channels that I noticed we've been getting a lot of. Um, there is this game that I like to play called Stump the Naturalist. <laughs> it's where I send John and Brian questions and see if it, they can actually answer them or not, see if it stumps them. Thus far, it hasn't happened, but I'm still <laughs> holding out hope. So we'll, we'll see if today's the day, right, guys? There you go. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love see. it. Okay. Bring it on. Let, let's do this. Let's dive in. <laughs> so the first question is from Travis, and he wants to know, I took down my feeders for summer. Should I still feed the birds all year round? Oh, <laughs> say it's not you, true, Travis. Say it's not true. Oh, Travis, the things you're missing out on. Oh, summer bird feeding is fabulous. I love summer feeding. Now, actually, summer feeding is one of the most diverse times you're going to have outside of a spring migration because you have this huge abundance of birds that are showing up in your yard, especially if you're feeding them, if you can be drawing them in because you not only have that spring migration, you now have all these birds and their beautiful breeding plumage, all those bright colors. And, and even if they're a dull colored bird, they're, they're at the sharpest they're gonna be. And they're just beautiful. And then you have all these babies running around, all, you know, get the nesting going, and then you have all these young running around. Oh man, so many different birds. Yeah, we're, we're actually gonna, we're gonna dedicate a whole show, probably this next show is gonna be dedicated to talking about all these young birds that are flying around in our backyards right now, because it's just quite the show. And to miss out on that mm -hmm. would just yes. be a crying shame, you know, having, having gone through feeding all winter long and they get to the spring and you stop feeding. And, and, and I understand it. Uh, Travis has probably heard somewhere along the line that, you know, you don't need to feed him in the summertime. You just need to feed him in the winter. And you know, really, that's kind of an old folk tale. The bottom line is it doesn't do any harm whatsoever to feed those birds 
in the summertime. Uh, it actually, again, with the, the young fledglings, it actually, and the nestlings, it actually will probably benefit many of those birds that are coming to your feeders, help the adults stay very healthy and ready to, to raise their young. So that's kind of an old folk tale that, that really should have gone away uh, a while back. But again, some of that misinformation I alluded to on the, on, the, on the internet is still out there saying you don't need to feed in the summertime. And you don't need to feed anytime. Uh, but it's just a, it's not going to hurt anything whatsoever. Uh, and and you know, the reality is that, you know, you look at the national organization, whether it's, uh, you know, ornithological or uh, organizations like Cornell Lab of Ornithology or our government wildlife agencies like U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they all promote summer bird feeding as a great way to enjoy the birds and to really raise your awareness of what's going on in nature in your own backyard. Okay. Yeah, some, uh, yeah. So Travis, put those feeders back up now. Yes. Brian, we got away with that okay, one. What's Brian. next? <laughs> <laughs> this next question is from Kay. So Kay was excited to have Orioles for the first time this spring. Then they just disappeared. Did she do something wrong? No, she did not. I know we've heard a number of those questions this spring, haven't we, Olivia? You've passed a number of those over. So already. many. Uh, this spring actually was a really fantastic migration year for different Oriole species. Just the way the weather patterns were, they seemed to hit people's yards like crazy. So many people who have never had them before. Now, I talked back on uh, when John and I did our Oriole podcast. I believe I mentioned something about trying to get Orioles for 20 years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a little envious of John's yard. And yeah, he's finally, he got them. And they come back every year. This was the first year I also got Orioles. And they've been around in the area. But they came, they showed up. And just like so many other people's yards, when you have out that grape jelly and orange halves and nectar and maybe some mealworms. But what happened this year? So many found out. Those Orioles showed up for a few days or a few weeks, and then boom, they're gone. Well, that's because they either continued on in their migration to go to their nesting grounds for breeding, or they actually went off to nest somewhere in the local area. Yeah. Yeah, I think having that nesting habitat close to your house will make a big difference. It just depends on the setting that your house is in. Um, you know, if they're, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a nice creek and lake. Uh, close to my house with lots of large cottonwoods and sycamore trees, which are favored nesting uh, trees for Orioles. So they're going to hang here. If I get, if I get some coming through, they're going to see this and they're going to go, Hey, food, nesting location, I'm staying. Other ones, if you don't have those combinations, they're going to continue on their northward uh, uh, migration until they do find that setup. So yeah, didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. Just maybe the habitat's not right. But having said that, keep trying. Keep trying year after year. It's certainly worth trying. In the, and that just that first couple of weeks in the spring when they show up, it's worth it for that alone to see all those Orioles coming to your feeders. It's really cool. Oh, definitely. And keep, keep some food fresh for them. You know, maybe keep some of that jelly and uh, fruit like the orange halves and mealworms out because even other birds are going to enjoy them. But then those Orioles are going to come back through anyway and continue on their southerly migration for their wintering grounds. And Orioles actually don't wait until fall for that to happen. They start moving mid to late summer. So watch for them in your yard hitting those foods. And like I said, other birds could hit those foods too. So be patient and enjoy every time you see them. All right. Next question. Okay. So this next question, actually, I'm going to give you two questions in hopes that I can maybe stump you. 
<laughs> She's doubling up. Yes, so I'm going to double up. So Barb wants to know how to get rid of grackles. And Teresa is having cowbird issues at her finch feeders. And she wants to know how she can deter them. <laughs> the eternal question. <laughs> that's about a dozen questions, I think. Is, yeah, that, that, that's, the whole, that's opening a whole big realm of issues with blackbirds. A lot of, a lot of folks really, this time of year, start getting all kinds of blackbirds, grackles, darlings, uh, cowbirds, uh, red-winged blackbirds, believe it or not, and other things. And it becomes a fairly uh, big issue for some folks. So we do have solutions for those too. Indeed, we do. Actually, the best thing to do is, um, you, you can take multiple approaches, but the best thing to do is deny them the food they want. That's the number one. Usually they're opportunistic and they're gonna be bouncing around in your yard looking for food. And if they find that food source, um, some species like starlings will tell others. Um, cowbirds will bring a couple friends. But, uh, and grackles, eh, it depends. Maybe they'll just tell the family, but they'll all start coming and they'll be very regular. Uh, and, but if you take that food away for a little bit and maybe they'll move on. Uh, the challenge is if you have neighbors that are feeding next door, well, they're just gonna go to your neighbors until you start offering food again. So uh, there's one solution, but there's a caveat to it. What's something else, John? Well, I tell you, I actually had to set up uh, exactly what these questions are talking about just a, a couple of weeks ago uh, and starlings when you start having the the new nestling for fledglings that come out of the nest and and start hitting the feeders with the adults i could just see every day the numbers of, of starlings at my feeders getting larger and larger and larger and boy i wanted to nip that in the bud so i pretty much did exactly what you said brian i pulled down all the feeders that that have their favorite foods uh, and left up the ones that they don't like. Uh, you know, Niger's a good one. A safflower is another great one uh, in regards to uh, grackles and starlings don't really seem to, to like safflower, uh, safflower, sorry, uh, that much. Uh, but, uh, uh, and it's actually very cool because I'm doing that. A couple of feeders I put uh, in, in feeders that are made to exclude uh, those birds and, and maybe you can cover those in a second but what ended up happening is the number of, of starlings coming to my feeders just dramatically dropped day after day after day to where right now maybe every once in a while I see one out there but that's it I don't have the gang of, of starlings coming to my feeders so you know it is something that you can will you eliminate them all yeah, probably not but can you reduce the numbers absolutely and, and there are some great feeders out there that will help you do that too yeah, and sometimes it's just reducing those numbers that makes it <laughs> tolerable. And there are feeders as well that will you can use to deter different blackbirds, and in fact, other bigger birds as well. So we have a tray style feeder called the Dinnerbell that has a adjustable hood, and you can just lower that hood just to allow the smaller birds in, um, and it keeps the bigger birds out. So you're going to be able to deter a lot, if not all, of the blackbirds using that style feeder. Uh, there are weight-sensitive feeders too. Um, a few of them on the market, one of the best ones out there is the Wild Birds Unlimited Eliminator Bird Feeder because it has a, a spring-loaded mechanism so when the birds land it starts to close off but you can adjust that level for playing around so if one blackbird were to land whatever that species it could close off and smaller birds could still land and feed. Um, 
there's something else you could do too. And that I believe you said uh, cowbirds on finch feeders. And that's kind of a unique situation. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, but cowbirds can get into the, the small finch feeding ports and sometimes red-winged blackbirds can. And so a good way to deter that is if you have a finch blend that has sunflower chips inside of it, go just to a Niger seed, um, used to be known as thistle seed, um, and try that. Or you can also put around there an on-guard cage. So we have a cage that um, has two different size openings you could buy to allow um, the goldfinches in, no problem. Uh, allow house finches and cassins finches and um, but it's going to keep your blackbirds out. So you've got uh, options there too to physically stop them from being able to access the food. Yeah. So yeah, one of the cool things that we've kind of come up with over the last couple of years too, uh, and again, starlings, I think, you know, different, different people have different problems with different blackbirds, but starlings are probably as close to being a universal, universal issue in some people's backyards, uh, just about anywhere. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that we really target starlings with. And one of the things that we've kind of learned, which is kind of cool, is they don't deal with sunflower or sunflower chips, the really small chips, in an open tray, like a dinner bell, like some, some open. They don't seem to like those. We've, we've tried this over the last couple of years, and they'll get in there, and they may try it, but they don't seem to, to you know, any other food, they'll come back and eat until it's gone. Yeah, that could flower. be within an hour. It's yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's kind of a neat little thing to test, test in your own backyard. See if you can put some sunflower chips, like the medium or, or fine chips, out in a tray, and see if your other birds will be able to use it. But the starlings, not so much. Okay. Well, that was quick to deal with the huge topic of blackbirds in the backyard. This next question is from Dave. So Dave wants to know how he can keep birds safe from cats. That's a, that's a good question. And we get a lot of people look very concerned about that. You know, cats and birds, we, we generally know what's going to happen there. That's a, it's not a great combination, but there are things you can do, whether it's your cat, you know, that's, that's pretty simple. Um, but if it's you know, a feral cat, a neighbor cat, you know, a cat that keeps coming around that you can't, keep out of the yard, there are some things you can do to um, either slow down or deter that cat enough that it's going to give the birds a fighting chance. Yeah, we, we recommend, you know, again, if you have your own cat, and I have two, you know, we try to keep our cats indoors. We have one older cat that, that uh, we uh, inherited, and uh, it had been an indoor-outdoor cat. So that cat, when we go outside, it's always with us. You know, we, we never let it alone in the backyard. We're always watching and making sure that everything is getting along and, and the birds are safe and that type of thing. Our other cat is simply an indoor cat. So uh, that's, that's one of the, the key things. But as Brian mentioned, if you have feral cats, if the neighbor's cats are ending up in the backyard, that's when we get into the problems of, of birds uh, being, you know, caught by these cats. One of the simple things to do is placing your feeder in a, in a location that doesn't provide any cover for the cat to hide in. I know my cat, when we're out walking around in the backyard, we have hostas, loves to get in underneath the hostas and hide and wait uh, for something to come walking by or flying by. Uh, so basically get that feeder about 10 feet away from any cover of shrubs, bushes, plants that the uh, feral cat or next door neighbor's cat can hide underneath. 
And another simple thing is, you know, those little, if you go to the lawn and garden centers, those little landscaping fences that are about 18 to 24 inches tall that you can kind of use in your flower garden and stuff to kind of create a little border. Uh, those are perfect to put in around your feeding station. So if you have a pole system with a couple of feeders on it, you know, go out about five feet in each direction and put a, put a square or a circle of these fences around it. It's not going to stop the cat. The cat can certainly jump it. But what it does is when you have a cat, or sorry, have a bird on the ground, the cat cannot sneak up on it. And it gives that bird the advantage. This cat's going to have to jump over that fence. And that little split second difference is going to allow that bird the opportunity to get away instead of being caught. So that's a really simple solution to protecting your birds underneath your feeders. Hey guys, what about that thing that I keep hearing about the the catio or the cat bibs? What what's that all about? <laughs> yes, um, the catio. Love the catio. The first time I, I heard about it, I was like, did I, did did I misread that? What a catio? Uh, basically, it's two words put together to help explain it. It's a cat patio, but it's the cat's own little patio. So the idea is allow your cat outdoor time but in a completely safe way. One, to keep the cat safe. Uh, you know, the plenty of dangers out there if your cat were to be just roaming around in the yard or into the neighborhood. Uh, but um, it also keeps the birds and critters safe because it's like a little screened in porch. It's kind of like a little dog run, if you will, having an enclosed area, but it's for the cat. And so just screening that out and you know, whether you're allowing them access from the house into that, um, however you'd want to set it up, but it's kind of the, it's the hip thing right now. And it's a fun way to allow your cat to be outdoors. There are other things, you know, like you said, the cat bib or their cat leashes. Uh, cat bibs are pretty much kind of like what you're thinking. <laughs> it's like a little bib that you put on your cat. Yeah. And I got to tell you, um, I don't it's know how many cats really enjoy it and how <laughs> you can just see the embarrassment on their face. But uh, <laughs> the idea is it slows them down if they're going for critters because then they have to reach around this bib. So um, it's met with varying success with critters. Uh, I think some, it's more like just a rock around the neck and, and they can't move. It weighs them down. <laughs> it's like their own kryptonite. A little so, anchor. A little that anchor. would work. <laughs> but there are various products out there that you can use to allow your cat to be outdoors and enjoy outside, but help keep the, the birds and critters safe. Well, Olivia... <laughs> Did we get the answers that you needed for this one? Yes, you guys gave me all the answers and I didn't stump you at all. So I'm going to have to come back and try again soon. We're going to try to do this uh, for each season. This was our summer version. We'll come back and have you back this fall and we'll answer some uh, seasonally appropriate questions, frequently asked questions for the fall. So thank you so much. You, uh, you were a bright spot in our otherwise uh, <laughs> John and Brian show. Uh, so you can come back anytime. Well, um, thank you so much for having me. Oh, we certainly appreciate having you here. It's been a lot of fun and hope everyone else has had as much fun and they learned some things today as well. Well, on behalf of all of us here at Wild Birds Unlimited, we, as always, thank you for joining us for Nature Centered. And please come back and join us next time. We're planning to talk about, as we mentioned, all those juvenile birds that are flying around in your backyard nursery. But as always, we're going to let nature be our guide. Take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for joining us, everyone.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs> <laughs>